Today's theme is one more powerful than John the Baptist. And today's Bible reading comes from Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, <coughs> verses 7 to 22. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptised by him, you brood of snakes, or vipers even, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that of these stones God could raise up children from for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then, the crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to him to be baptised. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly, were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love, with, whom, with you I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. And Happy New Year. Has it been, how has it been so far? Oh, like me, you really haven't caught up, have you? It's good to be with you again, good to be able to share worship with you again. As Peter just said, today we're going to look at John the Baptist. And um, that, of course, reminds us of baptism and also the fact that we have been baptised. And if anyone here hasn't been baptised, please see Peter or me afterwards. We'll sort something out. And so this morning we'll begin by confessing our faith in the form that we often use it in baptisms, beginning with the renunciation. And so I ask you, brothers and sisters in Christ, 
Do you renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways? Yes, I do. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Do you believe in God the Son? Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given you new birth by water and the Spirit, and has forgiven you all your sins, strengthen you with his spirit so that you receive eternal life. Amen. John, whom we call the Baptist, is out in the wilder country in Judea preaching and baptizing those who respond to his message. Crowds come out to hear him. And let me remind you again of the message that they hear. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Let's pray. Lord, help us to appreciate the words of your servant John. Help us, Lord, to hear them speak clearly to us, but speak to us also through the one whom John describes as so much greater than he that he can't even take his sandals off. Lord, bless us as we meditate on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You're going to have a party tonight, right? You're going to invite, or you have invited, your friends, some family members, we're all going to have dinner, sit down at the table. You've also invited your boss and her husband. Now that's rather important because you think 2024, you're in line for promotion. It's important that the evening goes well, therefore. So do you invite John the Baptist? What do you think? Tell the person next to you, are you going to invite John the Baptist? Yes or no? And, you know, be honest.
All right, how many people said yes? I admire you. I admire you. You know, John is the sort of preacher who only has one sermon, right? And it begins, you mob of snakes, you hypocrites. Don't tell me about your good intentions. I'm sick of your excuses. Change the way you live. And chances are, at your dinner table tonight, those brave few that are going to invite him, that John will have unloaded it all long before dessert. And that's enough to even turn the ice cream sour. I mean, it's okay when John's attacking your enemies, isn't it? It's okay when he's giving a hard time to bad people in the world. But here he's focused on good church people, as we might say, people like you and me. To change the picture a little bit, can you imagine being stuck in a broken down lift with John the Baptist, just you and him? What are you going to talk about? John only wants to talk about one thing, your sin. And it seems like he can see right through you. He knows you even better than you know yourself. John is not into polite chit-chat. And there's no escape. The lift is broken. You're stuck in that little room. So how does John the Baptist help us? He does two things for us. First of all, he keeps us honest. He's not going to let us hide behind excuses. He pokes holes in all our attempts at self-righteousness or justifying ourselves or explaining away the things that we do that kind of we wish we hadn't. But secondly, John helps us also by directing our attention to the one who is more powerful than he is, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And this Jesus brings us an even more powerful word. As I said, John is not going to let us play pretend games. You can't look John in the eye and in the context of the Jews at the time say, I have Abraham as my father, or perhaps in our context today, say something like, I've been active in the church all my life. All my life I've been there. Nor can you say, well, I may have a few little problems, you know, but really, I have good motives. I'm a good person at heart. Sure, I have problems, but overall, you know, surely I must have a passing grade. Because if I don't get a passing grade, you know, what are the rest of you going to do? Oh, sorry, whoever you might be talking to. You know, I might seem to be self-centred, but I do care about people, really. I might appear to be prejudiced and judgmental, but I'm just being truthful. 
Yes, I criticise people, but that's because they get it wrong so often. I might rip people off in my business to maximise profits, but after all, that is my job. That's what the boss expects. See, I'm a good person with the best of intentions. And John says, you snakes. <laughs> you vipers. And just in passing, don't think it's only John who speaks that way. Jesus was speaking to good church people of his time when he said the following. We find it in Matthew 23. What well, we do if it comes up. Ah, this is Jesus. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but on the inside they're full of the bones of the dead and of all kinds of filth. So you also on the outside look righteous to others, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how can you escape being sentenced to hell? So how does John the Baptist help us? After all, he speaks a tough and uncompromising word that doesn't allow us to hide. He leaves us nowhere to run and no self-justifying answer to give. We can only confess, repent and trust God. We can only throw ourselves at his mercy. If we listen to John then all forms of kind of self-delusion or whatever get blown away. And so John helps us actually to communicate to people today because if we listen to him, we realise that self-righteousness and pretense is simply not an option. We have to be honest and transparent about our weaknesses and failures we have to say that people are right when they point at church people and say, ah, oh, they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. You know, they, do, they say all sorts of stuff and look down their noses at the rest of us, but really, you know, they know better than anyone else. And we have to say, that's right. That's correct. Maybe we need to ask for forgiveness for our hypocrisy and judgmentalism. But it doesn't end there, does it, thankfully? I mean, if it ended there, why would we come together this morning? Just as John's baptism only takes us so far, so the call to repentance is only the beginning of the story. John baptised with water for repentance, but that's not Christian baptism. Jesus' baptism, which is Christian baptism, is with the water, with water and the Spirit. This is the baptism with which we were baptised. John calls us to repentance and leaves us no wriggle room. We can only ask for mercy, as I said before. Jesus also speaks words of judgment, but that isn't his last word. Jesus speaks a more important a more powerful word, which is a word of forgiveness and grace. Many people out there who are not Christians seem to think that we Christians are all about rules and regulations. 
that our message basically is everyone should try harder so that we might measure up. And since we don't do too well at that, as I said before, they say we are hypocrites. Now, I don't know about you, but I've actually given up on New Year's resolutions. Sorry, Peter. <laughs> right. You know, it just got too depressing. You know, first up, maybe it might, I might manage a week. Second up, well, a couple of days. Thirdly, well, maybe till breakfast time. And so what happens? Well, you sort of lower the bar a bit, don't you? And you make it simple, something you can do. But then you hear John the Baptist, and it doesn't seem to help you at all. The problem is we can't. We can't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, as it were. We can't simply try harder and expect, therefore, we're going to finally get to be the sort of people that we want to be. We're failures when it comes to living righteously. Paul addresses the same problem in Galatians chapter 3 and then in Galatians 5. Have a look at what he says. Are you so foolish... Have you started with the spirit? Are you now ending with the flesh? And again in chapter 5, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. The law may tell us what we should do. John the Baptist tells us clearly what we should do, and he's quite happy to make it specific to whoever we are. But that doesn't enable us to do it. God didn't give us his law to make us good. He gave us his law to make us humble, to make us ask for help. If we began with the Spirit, we talked about being baptized and water in the Spirit, then Paul asks, well then, why end up with the flesh? And if we've been set free, then why again submit to this yoke of slavery? Jesus speaks a more powerful word, one that is full of forgiveness and grace. He tells us that our sin and our guilt and all the wrong things, not only that we have already done or that we are doing now, right, but also the wrong we do in the future has already been dealt with by Jesus on the cross. Jesus suffered and died on a cross so that we might be forgiven, so that we might be set free, so that we might be filled with the Spirit and made the children of God. And that's his gift to us. We may think that the things we struggle with and that we can't overcome and that from time to time make us feel again like failures, we might think that they are very, very powerful in our lives. But Jesus speaks a word that is even more powerful when he says, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. The Spirit is at work in our lives. Now we need to recognize, of course, that that won't be, work won't be complete until we stand before the Lord on the final day.
that work, work won't be complete until Jesus takes us home. Meanwhile, we're still a work in progress. We still fail and sin. We can't pretend to be better than others. We still let ourselves down and let others down. But we also are the children of God who have been forgiven. We came to faith through the Spirit's power. It wasn't something we did or something we decided, a decision we made. It's something that God's Spirit at work in our lives created within us as he gave us the gift of trusting in Jesus and what he's done for us rather than trusting in our own efforts and our own work. So let's not go back to human effort when it comes to Christian living. Let's live as the free children of God. Let's recognize when we sin and fail and repent and apologize and ask for forgiveness where that's appropriate and it's always appropriate with God, of course. But let's not try to live as though it depends on us. Rather, we rest in the Spirit's power. And interestingly enough, that's what makes us able to relate our faith to others. We can be open, honest, and vulnerable. When we know that we're forgiven and loved by God and Jesus Christ, we don't have to be quick to judge and condemn others. We don't have to be proud and pretend we're better than others. And we can indeed be open about our weaknesses and failings, our struggles. We can help people see us as we are. We can help people see us as people who are transparent about their flaws, who act first and speak second. God, by his grace, is at work in us. And let me also make clear that we're going to fail to do that. Of course we will from time to time or many times. But we're still the forgiven people of God. We still know who we are and whose we are, who we belong to. And that's what makes our witness to Jesus something that is real and believable for other people, something that is also attractive to others. I'm not sure about inviting John the Baptist to dinner tonight as I'm perhaps sitting, or this afternoon maybe, as I'm sitting down and talking to my Muslim neighbour. Now, he would perhaps not be so surprised by John the Baptist and his message, but many of my other non-Christian friends would not be ready to hear that message. They're not Jews, after all, in the first century. They're Australians living in the 21st century. And in talking to them, we may need to start somewhere else. We may need to begin our conversation in different ways today. Being stuck in a lift with John the Baptist might be good for me. I didn't bring my wife today, so you can't ask her whether it would be good for me. <laughs> but take my word for it, <laughs> right? It would be good for me. And I certainly need to hear that word of John the Baptist and his judgment on my life. In fact, it's only when I hear the word of John the Baptist that I can really hear the word of Jesus. It's only when I hear and look in the mirror and see things as they truly are that I can actually also appreciate what that word of forgiveness is all about. John points us to the one 
who is more powerful than he is. And here's the thing. The word that that one speaks is even more powerful than the word of condemnation spoken by John himself. And so, yes, we need John because he shows us that we need Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the gift of John the Baptist and for the hard words that Jesus and the apostles also at times speak to us. We thank you, Lord, because we need to hear them. But above all, we thank you for the gift of Jesus and the forgiveness that is ours, that we might know that we know that we know that we are your children, forgiven by you, and that we will one day stand with you and live with you for all eternity. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.